0: Hello there, little masters, and welcome to the Prancing Pony Podcast, where tonight, the good stuff will give you a fund of wisdom and wise sayings. West to hall, my friends. I'm Sean Marchese, the real-life Lord of the Mark, and I'm
1: here with the man of the West, the Baggins to my Took, Alan Sisto. Well, thank you, Sean,
0: but I'd like to think I'm the Took to your Baggins. I mean, you know, aren't you the boring one? <laughs> probably. probably. Kidding. We're probably we're
1: both more baggins than Tookish. We are, we mean, are totally. Really. We are totally a couple of bagginses just sitting at we home really are. reading our books. I mean, if a... I
0: had to put on a sword and go somewhere and to, for an adventure, no. I'd much rather read a book. Yeah. No, I'm I'm a, yeah.
1: I'm a Took behind the screen of a computer though. There you or go. With some dice Absolutely. in my hand, you
0: know. Little, little keyboard warriors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, we, uh, we hope you enjoyed our first Questions After Nightfall episode a couple weeks back. I know we sure did. Uh, but today, we're really glad to be getting back to The Hobbit to start one of the most beloved and most important chapters in all of the Legendarium. Chapter 5, Riddles in the Dark. And this is
1: going to give us our first real look at one of the most beloved and hated characters of the Legendarium.
0: <laughs> uh, and that's just how he feels about himself. Uh, I'm speaking, of course, of Gollum. <laughs> Mr. Smeagol, if you please. Mm. Uh, I, you know, beloved, but just hated. I want it's not be hated. I just, I'm just. Wondering. What is that? Yeah, I wonder why I know. that is. You never he's say the most hated. Loved or the most beloved. He's, he's mm-hmm. the most hated, but not the most be hated. I know. I've you never know. heard that. Yeah. Be hated. We want to spend our time with this chapter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> kind of like we did with Turin. <laughs> um, yeah. But maybe not quite that much time. So, as you know if you've been listening to us this season, Chapter 5 underwent the most significant changes between the first edition of The Hobbit Mm -hmm. and the later text as Tolkien revised it to make it consistent with The Lord of the Rings after he published that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, things like the nature of the ring and uh, what exactly that all means and, of course, what it does to the personality of Gollum, um, the immediate effect it has on Bilbo. All of that had Mm -hmm. to be reworked to fit the the later developments in The Legendarium as he worked out Lord of the Rings. And what's amazing about that is that Tolkien really didn't have to change that much text. Um, True. He, he really got a
0: lot of bang for his buck with the changes he made. But we mm-hmm. want to take you through all the changes in detail. That we do. So we're planning on covering this chapter in three episodes, which should give us enough time to bring in some extra passages from the first edition, which some of you may never have read before, mm-hmm. and compare okay. the different versions so we can see how the character of Golem evolved and what that does to the story and its... Um, well, to borrow some phrases from Corey Olson, the solo stage and the assimilation stage. Mm, yeah, exactly. I know we're looking forward to jumping into that, but
1: first... Yes, we are. We've got a new segment for you. That I would like we do. to present our first ever Tolkien quote of the day. Ah, and a new segment means new music, so... So, all right, Tolkien fans, we need to start by addressing the elephant in the room.
0: Oh, really? Just... Oh, wow. Did we really have to go there? Oh, come on, Alan. How long have we been doing this podcast?
1: You shouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Uh, Too long. (laughs) Uh, So, seriously, though, you folks know we record a couple of weeks in advance. We're recording Mm -hmm. this episode in late November, and... All of our social media spaces are just blowing yeah. up over the news yep. that Amazon has acquired the rights to produce a Lord of the Rings series. I'm making mm-hmm. air quotes as I say that. Uh, covering <laughs> events at some point before the events of the Lord of the Rings. I know you've yeah, all heard of this. Those air quotes
0: might be bigger than you want them yeah, to right. be. <laughs> yeah, Very exactly. big air quotes. Yeah. Now, I, I sure wish we knew with more specificity, but that information will come. So yeah. keep listening to the Prancing Pody podcast because we are going to do everything we can to keep you up to date. Travesty or genius? Can't wait to watch her. Can't watch while sober. <laughs> we'll snow <laughs> soon enough. <laughs> you know, and I, and I gotta say, I am
1: I'm cautiously optimistic here. I that's wanna, exactly I wanna what I want to keep cautious. Yes, keeping an open mind until I'm. I'm trying not to react until I have something to react to.
0: Exactly, um, that's exactly um, right. And honestly, I'll Everything settle for, speculation.
1: Exactly, and I'll settle for something that's bad but fun to heckle. <laughs> I, I I think I don't know that might wear off pretty quickly so uh, but seriously, uh, as I said, you know everybody's hearing about this on social media. This is not yeah, I don't yeah. think this is news to anybody who's listening to this right now. but there is a certain Tolkien quote that's been going around the Facebooks and the and the tweeters and all those various <laughs> social medias that you kids use. And uh, we oh, thought it would be fun to bring it up today in context uh, and Ooh, discuss what we think the <laughs> word context <laughs> yes. that little thing that can change so much. So much. Uh, So, yeah, we'd like to talk about it a little bit uh, in the context of how Tolkien said it, discuss what Mm -hmm. we think it means and and how it's going to apply to the inevitable show that we're going to get from Amazon.
0: The inevitable show. Mm -hmm. Maybe that should just be its name. The The inevitable Inevitable show. Show. Amazon presents a Middle Earth production, (laughs) The Inevitable Show. The (laughs) Inevitable Show. The Unavoidable. The Unavoidable (laughs) Show. Season two. You know, folks, we do pride ourselves on trying to give you Tolkien's own words uh, in context as much as possible. In yeah, this case, yeah. painfully exhaustive context. <laughs> we do,
1: we do dig deep for that context. Mm-hmm. So, so here we go. We a little. So here it is. A little straight talk from your from your co-host. It's a very special Prancing Pony podcast today. Ooh. So today's Tolkien co- quote comes to us from letter 131, surprise. To really? Milton Waldman. Really? I'm shocked. I know. I'm right? shocked. I know. The, I'm dismayed. I know, letter there's, 131. There's still about 5 sentences from this letter that we haven't read on the air yet. It's such an obscure letter. Nobody's <laughs> ever heard of it before. I know. And <laughs> we certainly have never looked at it before.
0: <laughs> never referenced it uh, uh,
1: once. <laughs> but it's near the beginning of that letter when he's explaining yeah. to to Milton Waldman what his intentions were in creating the mythology.
0: Oh, yes, this quote. And
1: this quote comes to us from a paragraph that describes some of the qualities that he wanted his mythology to have. It should possess the tone and quality that I desired, somewhat cool and clear, be redolent of our air, the clime and soil of the Northwest, meaning Britain and the hither parts of Europe, not Italy or the Aegean, still less the East. And while possessing, if I could achieve it, the fair elusive beauty that some call Celtic, though it is rarely found in genuine ancient Celtic things. It should be high, purged of the gross, and fit for the more adult mind of a land not land long now steeped in poetry. Mm. I would draw some of the great tales in fullness, and leave many only placed in the scheme and sketched. The cycle should be linked to a majestic whole, and yet leave scope for other minds and hands, wielding paint and music and drama.
0: Absurd. <laughs> uh, Boy, now that, that is... Yeah, that's certainly made the rounds, or at least oh, the last it, it, line. certainly has. that
1: last sentence has been going around. That you know, other minds and hands. People, people love to to latch onto yeah. that, and that's what I. That's why I really wanted to bring this in. Um, yeah, that final absurd has puzzled readers, I think, for a while. We'll get to sure that has. in a moment. I, I really want to talk about the rest of the quote first. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, what, you know, as we said, you know, people who are in favor of the show, people who 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 like, um, you know. All the adaptations doing the things that they do, and the, you know, people who are into fanfic mm-hmm. and things like that often use the "other minds and hands" quote as evidence right. that Tolkien would like the idea of people taking his ideas and making new stories out of them. Um, now, I, hey, look, I, I know that we've we've got listeners out there who you know who mm-hmm. are into fanfic. Some of them write fanfic. Write it, yeah, um, exactly. That's that's cool. You know, um, it's not it's not something that I really gravitate towards. Um, I'm not. You know, I'm not trying to say no. anything about it. Um,
0: yeah, it's not it derogatory of... towards no. those who write it or those who no, enjoy no, it. No, no, not at all. The fact is I still haven't read everything Tolkien's written, so until it, I and do. That's, and that's
1: exactly it. Yeah, there's so much there yeah. and so much yeah. I can just keep diving back into his work. So uh, yeah. it, it's not something that's ever really appealed to me. Um, but, you yeah. know, hey. Folks Out there who like it, their you know, own. yeah, that's p- right. power to you. I think it's great, but I think you know, as we're thinking about this from the perspective of a new series that's coming out, I think we do mm-hmm. need to take this idea in context with the rest of the paragraph. And I think, yeah, um, understand what it means for people making the show. In other words, um, if Tolkien is okay with this, based on this other minds and hands quote then what criteria does it have to have in order to stay true to that? Hmm.
0: You know, what criteria would it have to have to... Oh, my goodness, this could be a whole episode. I know, oh, right? That,
1: that's all we're going to talk about tonight. Sorry. No. You, no. Didn't, you didn't know that, <laughs> did you, Alan? That's no, right. I'm, I'm Total joking. surprise.
0: I'm joking. You know, I, by the way, I want to tell you exactly what it means to the people making the show. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> because they, <laughs> well, because they're when, not going to, yeah, they're not going to. They gonna don't care. care. No. They've spent their $250 million plus the however much it's going to cost per season. Yeah, I think yeah, I've been yeah, you're, you're right. $150 right. a season is what they're estimating costs to be. That means a five year show will cost billion. a That's billion dollars. A billion dollars. That's crazy money. That is. But anyway. Um, well, and that's, yeah, you know, I, that's I the thing. I, really I mean, not to, to,
1: not to beat this horse too much, but, you know, I've had friends come to me and say, oh, you know, what do you think about the news? You know, friends who are not as big Tolkien fans as I am. Right. What do you think of the news? And, you know, I'm kind of <laughs> cautious about it. And they say, yeah. well, you know, well, don't, don't worry. Come on. Amazon knows they can't screw this up. But... <clears throat> but what does that mean <laughs> do they what is yeah. I mean what does that mean screw it up i mean if they get a commercial success they're going to consider themselves to have not screwed exactly. up exactly but yeah. from my perspective They'll make money on this, no yeah, doubt yeah exactly from my perspective not screwing it up means making something faithful that is yeah. faithful and and i think this that's where this paragraph is very helpful for me i think yeah this paragraph is how i'm going to make my peace with the show <laughs>
0: if it, yeah. It, yeah. not like anybody it's cares definitely what a good, I think, it's a know? good measuring stick exactly um, yeah and so let's break that down let's take a look at some of the things so it should possess this entire mythology needs to possess the tone and quality that mm-hmm. tolkien desired so what do you think he meant by that well, I mean, I think you know partly it's you know having this quality
1: of uh, of northernness, northwesternness. This you know this yeah. idea of being something that's that feels British, that feels um, you know that mm-hmm. feels northern, feels Germanic. Um,
0: that makes sense, given that this was specifically something he wanted to dedicate to England, my country. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that 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 absolutely. And he fits. says,
1: and he says the hither parts of Europe. I think that would include you know the the countries that you know come from the Germanic heritage. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not so much. Not so much the Mediterranean, um, right? Not, not Southern Europe or not Eastern Not anything Europe. that's not European. Um, he definitely wants it to have that kind of feel. But I, but I also mm-hmm. think that when we talk about the quality that he desired, I think it needs to resonate with Tolkien's voice and with his values. Frankly, oh yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's something that we're that that well, they we see that in the next
0: mind. in the next bit of the quote that it should be high, mm-hmm. purged of the gross. Yeah. And fit for a more adult mind. Now, what does that mean? I don't think when he talks about an adult mind, he's talking about it in the way we talk about adult beverages or adult <laughs> entertainment. He's actually talking specifically of the he's, opposite. He's
1: talking about the opposite. Yeah. I think he talked right. about purged of the gross and a high. I mean, he wants something that is that is dignified. Noble. That is noble. Yes. Dignified. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Excellent word. And, and, and frankly, um, although I'm Quite a fan of some of the modern fantasy that's out there. There is a lot of <laughs> Game of, of Thrones. <laughs> Game of Thrones, and yeah, the, <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking that's what you're telling us. I, 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 do, I and I do like Game of Thrones, and I know lots sure, of people like Game sure. of Thrones, but it's not Tolkien, and it's not it's not, no. it's not uh, dignified in that way. It's it's no, the opposite of that. And when I read things like. Um, Amazon has found their Game of Thrones.
0: Oh, that gives me chills. I get and nervous. Bad yeah. chills. Yeah. yeah,
1: I do because it's like, I, I, as much as I enjoy that show and I will continue to watch that show for you know the what has got one more season or whatever it's got. Um, sure. I don't want Middle Earth to be like that. No. Um, no. And uh, and I I know a lot of people certainly agree with me. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just I I think if they make it to HBO. Um, yeah, I think that would be a huge concern. And, and I'm not even just talking about, you know, some of the adult content, but even just like things like the politics and everything. I don't I don't mm-hmm. want that in Tolkien. That's not really part. Yeah, of. Tolkien. I, I
0: won't be able to join you in this conversation because I've never watched one. But okay. uh, I, you know, I know enough about it just from yeah. from hearing about it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's not just the mere violence or the, the, the you know, the gratuitous nudity or mm-hmm. or sexual content. It's that's just the, the whole just the environment whole, the whole tone of the world you know right. it's so much about it's, it's so much low about. fantasy
1: and, and that's yeah. not meant
0: as an insult it's just meant that this is a story that's more gritty it, more down it, to it, earth gritty get,
1: and that's exactly, what, yeah. that's, that's exactly why those of us who watch it enjoy it it's gritty it's right. down to and, earth. and that's totally understandable and it's an alternative I mean, uh, to high fantasy yes but
0: yeah. Tolkien should be high fantasy
1: and, and, that's, and, and that's he
0: specifically mentions that here it yeah. should be high yep um what do you make of this? The land long now steeped in poetry. Boy, that's certainly. I, I, is there a land even now still steeped in poetry? <laughs> I, I don't know. We're, I don't we're know. such a short I mean, attention span culture now. When I think of
1: adult mind, I think you know maybe that it should be mature philosophically. Yeah. You know. Yeah, uh, I agree. From a, it shouldn't be a simple. Uh, adult as opposed sh- to juvenile. Yes, exactly. In the yeah. in, in that sense, in that right. kind of. Exactly. Mental thought process. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe when he says steeped in poetry, he just means, you know, steeped in literature, a, a land that's, you know, like our culture. Got is. a culture. Got a, that, got a yeah. culture to it. Got a, 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 yeah, exactly. A cultural history, okay. a literary history. Fair I not. think that's that's what I'm thinking of.
0: But um, then we get to the, 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 the really key phrase, and yet mm-hmm. leave scope for other minds and hands mm-hmm. wielding paint and music and drama.
1: Yeah. And that's the one that I'm really not quite sure what to make of all this because, you know, the other minds and hands does come out a lot when people are talking about fanfic Mm -hmm. or when people are talking about some of the changes that maybe Peter Jackson has made. Right. Um, Right. And so I think the question is, you know, um, does paint and music and drama, and I guess specifically drama, since we're talking about a dramatic, dramatic presentation that Amazon's going to do, you know, does this include the creation of new narratives? And, um, if it does, how new, does it have to be something, you know, they're saying these are going to be based on Tolkien stories. Well, does that mean there's a, you know, if there's a sentence about something that happened in, you know, such and such year of the Third Age, they're going to write an episode about that? And is you that... Make everything else uh, up from whole cloth. Right, exactly. Yeah. Or or is it going to be wholly new stuff? I, I'm not sure. And, and I don't know what their plan is. None yeah. of us do. Um, It'll be interesting as this plays out to see whether this really has... um has stayed true to Tolkien's spirit here. I don't know. What are your thoughts yeah. on this? this well, part I, of it?
0: I think that last line is, is interesting. It, Tolkien, as we've said before, usually doesn't use a word by accident. And no. in this case, I think he doesn't leave a word out by accident. Mm. Um, he specifically addresses these three genres. Uh, you know, one is visual with paint. Uh, one is, you know, auditory with music. Uh, then with drama, Drama is the, the challenging one, but you notice the absence of the word literature or poetry,
1: that's and that's true. because
0: he is the one who did that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. Uh, he, to me, the absence of those words speaks volumes, and it says that nobody else is to write either prose or poetry. Prose or poetry of this in of this in this cycle or in these cycles um, it's one thing to adapt a written work to the stage or to the mm-hmm. screen. Um, and we've talked about how we understand that certain adaptations, you know, w- would require certain sure. modifications. Sure. You can go back to our two yeah, episodes right. on, the, on the Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit but, films but to, we also, to hear about that.
1: Right. But we also know that Tolkien was okay with the idea of adaptations. He entertained oh, yeah. the idea of adaptations, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. You if if they were done right, of, right which... Uh,
1: Uh, If they're done (laughs) right.
0: Uh, You had a quote, I think, from from one of the letters that specifically mentioned that, right? Um, Yeah, there was actually there
1: was uh, it's letter 198 and letter 201 both took place um, at a time. and, And I don't have the book in front of me. I'm not sure what year it was. Um, maybe, okay. Maybe if can I can look that. Yeah, you look for that, th- look yeah, that, look for that while want. I'm talking. Um, sure. But letter 201. Uh, it, this was, and this was basically when uh, an animated uh, adaptation was being considered, uh, okay. not the Rankin Bass that ended up getting made, but some other animated no. adaptation. Um, letter to 201. He did say, "I am quite prepared to play ball if they are open to advice, and if you, speaking to Raynor Unwin, to Rainer, if you decide right. that the thing is genuine and worthwhile." Um, he was. He was quite okay mm-hmm. with that. Actually, in letter 1980, when he said, I should welcome the idea of an animated motion picture with yep. all the risk of vulgarization. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, you know, he went on to say, you know, it's not just about the money. Uh, it's just, um, you know, he would
0: actually welcome the idea.
1: So... I think he would have been
0: Interesting, you know, I want to mention though vulgarization there does not mean like all of a sudden his character is going to start shouting profanities. Well, um, well, yeah, vulgarization that's true. just means popularity Popul- among people. Popularization, the, the yeah, folk. sort
1: of making it more common,
0: not making yeah, it common, um, not making it profane folk. or obscene. Yeah. Right. There is a difference. And it's just because
1: No, 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 you're right because the word vulgar does have a, a meaning synonym that Synonym with profanity yeah, is different than yeah, in this you're right.
0: context. You're right. I did like though the, the, the later in that letter he said that he would prefer that vulgarization. He thought it would be less painful than the sillification achieved by the BBC. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> because he yeah. also said... Now, But this is interesting because this kind of counters, and this is where we've talked about how you have to look at the letters in context. Separately, in a letter, he's, he described... The book is unsuitable for dramatization, and that he specifically did not enjoy the BBC broadcast. Right. Yeah. So, um, by the way, timeline that would have been 1957. Thank you. Uh, both letter 198 that you mentioned and letter one and 201. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, you mentioned very close in time, but yeah, they are. And in fact, right before that, you mentioned the money. Uh, right before that, in 197, to to Rainer Unwin, uh, Unwin had just sent him a big check for uh, his earnings from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> And Tolkien Mm -hmm. was was pretty pleased, except that he made this point. He said, if I had had any notion of this, talking about the success financially, I would have thought seriously of retiring this July and refusing the extra two years. He goes on to talk about how they wouldn't have made enough of a difference to his pension. Um, And then he says that as it is, I'm merely going to be fined for going on working, about to the equivalent of my salary, (laughs) unless my income tax agent is unduly gloomy about this remarkable second installment. In other words, his taxes went up hugely so
1: much just because he kept working while he was getting the royalties exactly so uh <laughs> yeah. you know uh,
0: the money was important to him yeah oh yes absolutely <laughs> you know yeah. uh he, he needed that that revenue so yeah. um interesting stuff but it, it is and and i
1: guess i'm just not you know i'm not really sure how he would feel about um you know it, it's well, this this whole question of drama as adaptation versus drama to create new narratives and i think that's that's, the that's where the sticking I, point is
0: it is. And and I think, you know, we can look at some more of his letters to kind of get some some ideas. I, there's one that, that really jumps out at me. Uh, it's a little bit later. It's letter 292. Uh, he had received the details of a proposed, <clears throat> quote-unquote, sequel uh, that a fan was going to write. Uh, and so he forwards it to uh, <laughs> to this publisher. And I got to read this. okay, Because... The tone of this is, is very much get off my lawn. It's brilliant. <laughs> um, I can just see the, what, the cranky what old man. What year was this? Did you say what year? What year you know, it? I'm going to have to look up that year. Okay. It's a little later because it's letter 292. So it would have been pretty I, late. I Yeah, they're a little bit more... Um, uh, in chronological order, so I'm right. going to guess. I'm not going to guess. I'll just no. look it up while I'm reading it. He was he was certainly um, in get-off-my-lawn mode at this point. Was he my... was very much <laughs> in get-off-my-lawn mode. I absolutely love it. Um, in fact, I'll look that up for you real quick before I even get there, just to make sure I can get context. All right. Uh, this would have been, Letter 292, in... 1966. 1966. Okay. okay. The 12th of so December. that was pretty late. 1966. He says, Dear Miss Hill, I send you the enclosed, impertinent contribution to my troubles. I do not know what the legal position is. I suppose that since one cannot claim property in inventing proper names, that there is no legal obstacle to this young ass publishing his sequel. (laughs) If he could find any publisher, either respectable or disreputable, who would accept such tripe, I have merely informed him that I have forwarded his letter and samples to you. I think that a suitable letter from Alan and Unwin might be more effective than one from me. I once had a similar proposal couched in the most obsequious terms from a young woman, and when I replied in the negative, I received a most (laughs) vituperative letter. With best wishes, yours sincerely. Get off my
1: lawn, J.R.R. Tolkien. Get off my lawn in uh, $5 words as only a philologist can,
0: can do it. Seriously, as only a philologist could do. That was phenomenal. That's fantastic. <laughs> Vituperative. People don't use that in, often, no. often enough in the real world. No. I love it, though. Um, clearly, so, he did not like. <laughs> what, he certainly didn't like was... that
1: idea for a new narrative in his world. Either um, one of them. A, either, yeah. either one of them. Yeah.
0: And I think and he's, I, yeah. I think he's there's probably concerned. something to the
1: there is something to the idea that he didn't include literature or poetry in in that quote yeah. of the other minds. The and absence hands.
0: of those things means something. So yeah, to I definitely me, think he probably.
1: It, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, i mean – Okay. I think he felt enough pride of ownership in his world that he created. Yes. That, I, that I do think that he he like you said he kind of felt like he was I'm I'm the person who should be writing the books.
0: These these are this is mine. Yeah. Um, and, and trust me, I've put more time into this than any of you, anybody else has. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is why I think we only see paint, music and drama and we don't see prose and poetry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, given that, I mean, I, I guess I would say adapting an existing tale uh, could certainly fit into that scope of other scope for other minds mm-hmm. and hands. But creating a new story out of whole cloth. Not so much.
1: I think whole cloth would definitely um, be problematic. Yeah. I think it's I, that that yeah. idea of um, the, some of the tales being sketched that I wonder about. You know, if they yeah. if they yeah. were to say, "Okay, we're going to tell you the story of," um, I don't know, the 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 battles yeah. between Arthedain and, and Cardolan and Rudar versus Angmar or something like that. Mm-hmm. We know those happened. We have some facts and details, but then, you know, to yeah to draw that out in fullness and drama. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I I, th- I think it ultimately comes down to how how good the quality is and how much it is true to
0: true his, to that tone, his the value. tone is that and quality, tone quality he desired. Yeah. Is it high yeah. and purged of the gross? Yeah. Is it fit for that you know grown up mind? Yeah. And I'm not saying that's the definitive answer. I, I think there's no, no. I think I don't there's really an argument is a definitive to be made.
1: answer. Yeah. No, there there really isn't.
0: But yeah, uh, the there's thing. certainly
1: an argument to be made that there is a way to make a show that would be okay. It's
0: just a question of is this is that what they're going to yeah. do? Uh, Yeah, and will this be that show? Yeah. Like you said, cautiously optimistic. Same here. We shall see. Well, that was probably a much longer digression, but now (laughs) let's go ahead and get on to the discussion. Um, I'm going to have you start with the second paragraph of Chapter 5. Okay.
1: Very slowly he got up and groped about on all fours till he touched the wall of the tunnel, but neither up nor down it could he find anything, nothing at all. No sign of goblins, no sign of dwarves. His head was swimming, and he was far from certain even of the direction they had been going in when he had his fall. He guessed as well as he could, and crawled along for a good way, till suddenly his hand met what felt like a tiny ring of cold metal lying on the floor of the tunnel. It was a turning point in his career, but he did not know it. He put the ring in his pocket, almost without thinking. Certainly, it did not seem of any particular use at the moment. He did not go much further, but sat down on the cold floor and gave himself up to complete miserableness for a long while. He thought of himself frying bacon and eggs in his own kitchen at home, for he could feel inside that it was high time for some meal or other, but that only made him miserabler.
0: Oh, miserabler. Miserabler. I love that word. Ah, you know, he tries to comfort himself with these homey thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen that before. You know, this is yeah. uh, pretty much a standard MO. But, yeah. Well, well and of course, you know, big... I mean, hey,
1: miserableness, you know, misery would certainly be a, an yeah. antonym for
0: comfort, you know? It is. It is. While bacon and eggs is a synonym for comfort. A <laughs> synonym
1: for deliciousness. <laughs> yes, it is. Delicious
0: <laughs> comfort. Mm, deliciousness yep. bacon. Mm. Uh, the big moment, of course, the finding of the ring. Finding the turning the point ring. in his career. And it's just such a, you know, blink and you miss it moment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it, <laughs> I mean, I,
1: it's like I almost wondered, should I even linger over that? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, yeah, You almost because it does it. It happens so quickly, and and I love the fact that you see he just he just picks it up almost What's without thinking, partner? you know? Yeah. Um, he doesn't.
0: It's not like there's he something think, there, isn't there? Oh, there absolutely thinking. is.
1: Um, almost, yeah. absolutely. I mean, he's, you know, you think about the fact that he's in the dark, he can't see. Um, he's sort of on autopilot. It's, yeah. it's almost like, um, I mean, I mean, it's, it's almost like he's letting chance or fate, or let's just mm-hmm. say Eru lead him. Yes. Um, and I think that's exactly what's going on where, where his luck leads him is to this spot yeah. where this ring is. And he just, and, and that's, and he just finds it part and, of the, he, part and he of the just plan. picks it up. Yeah. And he just picks it up. He doesn't see any particular reason for doing it. He just, no, he does not I've only got a little, almost bit like of the thought was put in
0: his mind, you know, almost 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 like we planned it that way (laughs) so after he was miserable i'm going to go ahead and pick up shortly thereafter after some time he felt for his pipe it was not broken and that was something then he felt for his pouch and there was some tobacco in it and that was something more then he felt for matches and he could not find any at all and that shattered his hopes completely just as well for him as he agreed when he came to his senses Goodness knows what the striking of matches and the smell of tobacco would have brought on him out of dark holes in that horrible place. Sidebar, thank goodness it's just tobacco. I'm just saying that. <laughs> you know, once again, we get the if clarity it was, that it's tobacco.
1: It, yeah. And if it was something else, it probably would have smelled even would have brought worse.
0: out even more terrible things. It would have brought out, like, you know, creatures with, with like, <laughs> ravenous appetites <laughs> for Cheetos and stuff. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean oh, man.
1: Everybody wants his Oreos.
0: <laughs> oh oh sorry about that. All right, coming back into into the moment here. <laughs> Still, at the moment he felt very crushed. But in slapping all his pockets and feeling all round himself for matches, his hand came on the hilt of his little sword, the little dagger that he got from the trolls. And that he had quite forgotten. Nor fortunately had the goblins noticed it as he wore it inside his breeches. Now he drew it out. It shone pale and dim before his eyes. So it is an elvish blade, too, he thought. And goblins are not very near, and yet not far enough. But somehow he was comforted. It was rather splendid to be wearing a blade made in gondolin for the goblin wars of which so many songs had sung. And also he'd noticed that such weapons made a great impression on goblins that came upon them suddenly. Go back, he thought. No good at all. Go sideways? Impossible. Go forward. Only thing to do. On we go. So up he got and trotted along with his little sword held in front of him, and one hand feeling the wall. And his heart all of a patter and a pitter. Oh, I love that! What yeah, a good. phrase, by
1: the way. All of a, all patter, of a patter and a patter patter pitter. And a pitter. I, yeah, I love the fact mm. that, you know we would usually think of pitter patter, and I love right. that he, he inverts it.
0: Yeah, I don't yeah. know and, why. And, and, and know separates you... them. It's not just pitter patter. Yeah. It's a patter and, and a pitter. A patter, patter and a pitter. Yeah, making them individual that's nouns. Really, cool. really, really neat. Um, we really I, see a Took moment here, don't we? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he
1: really <laughs> steps into that, that adventurer role. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. and you know, he, he
0: acknowledges, you know, what else can he do at this point? Mm-hmm. But, but um, Well, he could sit down like he did before and just uh, give himself up to complete miserableness, which is what he had just a few minutes ago. That is true. Um, and,
1: and I, I kind of... I love the fact that it, he, you know, kind of holding the sword before him kind of embo- emboldens him to go forward because yeah, it it kind of you know first of all the blade is confirmed as an elvish blade and I and I think yes. we I think we said before well it's in the same horde so it must be from Gondolin I, I I don't I guess I I think I'd forgotten that it actually says here that it's made in Gondolin yeah I had forgotten uh, <clears throat> that too
0: so I definitely mean, confirmed as a it's, Gondolin blade it's of that make I mean yeah. we, we know it's of that right. make later on when
1: we see it glowing right. so when right, it does here true. yeah. But uh, but I I love the idea that so he doesn't have matches so he uses his sword to light his way. Um, yeah, it's I don't know if I'm reading too much into this. Tell me if I'm reading too much into this. But you know this his modern convenience of matches that allows him to easily light a fire doesn't work mm-hmm. down here. He has to rely on a magical thing out of the past. Hmm. Um,
0: I don't you know, I don't know that you're reading too much. And, 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 Especially you know, because matches are sort of an anachronism anyway.
1: That's true. Um, they are they are a little bit. Yeah, I think it's end of next chapter that. Uh, Tolkien mentions that dwarves don't use matches; they still use tinderboxes. No, tinder. Boxes and... Yeah, and actually, in Lord of the Rings, I, I actually looked yeah, into Sam, I was, of That's Rings. what I was thinking yeah. was uh, Sam had a tinderbox. Right. So this is um, this is a reference to matches. So that is kind of anachronistic. But yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I I like this idea that he has to put aside, uh, put aside the pipe hoping, pipe, smoke, <laughs> yeah, pipe smoking pipe <laughs> smoking hobbit, and become the adventurer. You know, it's yes. he has to kind of like he has to grow into this toque role, kind of put aside the baggins a little bit and become. This um, this sword, put holding, aside sword the ranger. Eventually. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Become the yeah. Took you were born to be.
0: <laughs> kind of like that. Oh uh, yeah, no, it's it's a very good point. He does need to become the Took. He's, he's born to be here, and mm-hmm. and he starts to do that. It's really cool to see. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna be given a little bit of a reminder about hobbits. Why don't you go ahead and take uh, that next section we're talking about here? Okay. Hobbits are not quite like ordinary people. And
1: after all, if their holes are nice cheery places and properly aired, quite different from the tunnels of the goblins, still they are more used to tunneling than we are, and they do not easily lose their sense of direction underground, not when their heads have recovered from being bumped. Also they can move very quietly. there is that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There is that.
1: (laughs) Also they can move very quietly and hide easily, and recover wonderfully from falls and bruises, and they have a fund of wisdom and wise sayings that men have mostly never heard or have forgotten long ago.
0: There you go. Probably from our heads being pumped. <laughs> Cuz we don't recover as quickly from that.
1: No. You know when but I first Bilbo's what?
0: out of concussion protocol. Right. <laughs> <There's> your... <laughs> For those who watch American football, you'll get that. Yep.
1: But I don't know uh... I love I love this little description of hobbits because it it almost seems like hobbits were bred to be the perfect creatures for finding yeah. the ring underground in this precise situation, yeah, absolutely doesn't. <laughs> if you it? were to breed to, to breed a race to go yeah. find the ring after Gollum took and it, and to not try to take it for themselves, and to not try to take it for themselves, yeah, it would be the hobbits. You know, it's 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 certainly seeming uh, to be no accident.
0: Yeah, that quiet there. movement, stealthy, uh, and incredible recovery. I mean, mm-hmm. they. I don't know if they have. Do they have a higher constitution in D and D? They should. I don't know. I, I rather suspect they don't. That they're described as fragile and. You know, they probably have low hit points. But here, we get the fact that they recover wonderfully from falls and bruises. We've so, got a, we've got at least a couple of listeners who so can answer that question for us. Do you I'm have sure Jeff to have will tell us right higher... away. <laughs> 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 oh, Jeff, if goodness. you're hearing
1: this, let us know if hobbits have higher constitution. Than uh, I, I could go look it up. I, I, yes. I've, I've got the book somewhere.
0: Um, you know, by the, the way, I just the, want to – go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: No, I just – I wanted to just say um, the, this idea of the, this fund of wis- wisdom and wise sayings that men have yes. mostly never heard. Uh, I love that. It it almost seems like a non sequitur, but stop and think about it, and I think it's a hint to the fact that Bilbo is about to rock this riddle competition.
0: Ooh, I he's think got, you're right. has got a all these premonition sayings. here, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's a good catch. I hadn't really thought about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the aside that I was about to make was just that because of the density of this chapter with the riddles, we're going to read a lot more text than we normally read. Oh um, yeah, yeah. You know, we we typically don't read more than maybe a 20, 30% of a chapter's text. We're reading a little bit more than that here because of the coolness of the riddles.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so that's part of the other reason why we're going, you know, three three episodes. But uh, yep. that also means you all have to bear with us as we read. So, <laughs> Yeah, indeed. Um, it, we'll, we'll skim the next paragraph, though. This is one of the lengthier sections we're not reading. Uh, we get that he's he's going down this tunnel. And I love this. He, he takes no notice of these passages except for fear of goblins or half-imagined dark things coming out of them. Mm. Uh, his imagination's already starting to run wild, mm-hmm. uh, and then we That's don't true. know how long this takes. I love that. That's a scary That's sort of thought. We don't know. He's hating to go on, not daring to stop. Mm-hmm. It seemed like all the way to tomorrow and over it to the days beyond. What a all in the blackest black just this yeah lit just, only by the edge of the sword and and really you're hoping that it stays pretty dark because mm-hmm. if that's because if it's up, too bright some, then you're going to be in trouble when goblins come around the trouble. corner
1: yeah that's a good point it's just yeah. this sort of this uh this unending yeah opp- oppressive darkness around you yeah
0: you know and the text doesn't seem to make a whole lot of it i mean just those no. couple little hints but but what a what a what a set of moments for him yeah. to continue down this road yeah. Uh, and not giving up. He continues to show that, that Tukish side. But, um, yeah. And, you so know, you get this he...
1: about the, the, the hearing these bats by his ears. Mm-hmm. It, at first it startled him and then it just became too yeah. frequent to bother him. just, you know. Yeah,
0: it's like, whatever. It's another bat.
1: Yeah. You don't have time to worry about that.
0: You've got, you, you know, yeah. There's so much you're else going on. You're trying to figure on. out where you are mm-hmm. and where you're going. Yeah. I'm not sure if there's ever a moment where I would, uh, Think that bats would be too frequent to bother about. I'd still be trying to knock them out of the air. <laughs> get out of Get out of my face. Maybe if you were uh, here in Austin on uh, at sunset when our bats
1: are coming out. Oh really? Yeah, Austin is you... known as the Bat City. There's oh, a um, wow. There's a at least one bridge that's famous for having a big colony of bats underneath it. And oh my goodness, there's a season when at sunset they come out and just hmm. yeah fill the sky.
0: Is there a season when you can get a hunting permit? <laughs> sorry <laughs> probably not on the bats bro <laughs> they're kind Shopguns of a local be, treasure alan <laughs> uh, i'm sorry uh, local creepy uh, treasure i not
1: that i've not seen in 10 years of living here because you know it's just it's it's there yeah. it's one of those things you don't do if you live here right you do it rats in with
0: wings rats with wings flitter mice flitter mice there you go <laughs> boy that takes me back Ah, yeah. uh, but no more going back. I'm going to go forward. No, so bring, he, bring, us, uh, just bring like, us forward. Just like Bilbo, right? So yep. he trips, he, he splashes into some cold water, and um, he, so he knows that there's uh, some sort of a lake. And here we go. So it is a pool or a lake, not an underground river, he thought. Still, he did not dare to wade out into the darkness. He could not swim, and he thought, too, of nasty, slimy things with big, bulging, blind eyes wriggling in the water. There are strange things living in the pools and lakes in the hearts of mountains. Fish whose fathers swam in goodness only knows how many years ago and never swam out again, while their eyes grew bigger and bigger and bigger from trying to see in the blackness. Also, there are other things more slimy than fish. Even in the tunnels and caves the goblins have made for themselves, there are other things living unbeknown to them that have sneaked in from outside to lie up in the dark. Some of these caves, too, go back in their beginnings to ages before the goblins, who only widened them and joined them up with passages, and the original owners are still there in odd corners, slinking and nosing about. That's creepy. Well, that's not, yeah, that's not creepy at all. (laughs) Uh, The bulging eyes, Mm -hmm. the wriggling in the water, the, 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 ooh, just, this is a, a... a pretty it's, intense little description. It is. It's a pretty gruesome,
1: you know, considering that this is a children's book. This is pretty. Yeah, I mean, this is probably as close to like Lovecraftian as you could get in a, you know, yeah, in a, in a book. For that's kids. true.
0: That's true. It's not and, and it's not very close, but uh, it's certainly a moment. <laughs> I don't of terror know. Terror it, it just. Overwhelm. I don't know. There's
1: something about it. The the sliminess and the the, the blind eyes. blind eyes. Yeah, I don't know. It's, ooh.
0: I you know it's, and, it's still a wide gap, but still a very know. wide gap. But it's you're right. It is the first. Kind of genuine moment of terror that he's mm-hmm. trying to, I think, instill in a in a reader, even a mm-hmm. young reader, yeah, uh, who's identifying with Bilbo and realizing just what kind of situation he's in, he's really yeah. in. Yeah, uh, yeah. But boy, the original owners, um, I think we, we might know. find out who one of those is. Possibly, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, possibly. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Do you, do you think know. Gollum's maybe one of these original owners? <laughs> I
1: don't he know. might. He
0: might Depends have been at how one how point. Yeah, I mean, it, he's been in there a long time as we'll talk yeah. about. Yeah. Um,
1: and we don't really know when the goblins got there. Um that's I the thing know. we don't. I, Not
0: this group of goblins at least.
1: Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I have some ideas about the original owners that uh Yeah. that, that might come up in uh in a in a Mailbag in Lord segment of the Rings? a little later
0: today. Oh, in a Mailbag segment. Okay. Yeah.
1: Oh, Lord of the Rings. I know. Oh, I know who you're thinking of. Yeah, you know who I'm thinking yeah. about. Yeah. I I thought about that one too. Yeah, I did. So. I don't know. I mean, we are a long way from Moria here, but... Uh, we are a
0: very long way from Moria. But still, I mean, who's mean.
1: to say that the, the Balrog, you know, who's to say that there's only one Balrog below the Misty Mountains? There you go.
0: Or who's so. to say there's only one Watcher in the
1: water? Oh, that's true. Yeah, I didn't think about that one. So, all well, right. Yeah. Well,
0: let's... Um, oh, yeah, that's you... a good catch, the Watcher in the water. Did, that's who I'm that thinking one. of. Yeah, I in the Balrog too, but I'm thinking, I mean, what kind of slimy, yeah. big, bulging, blind eyes wriggling in the water with its, you know... Uncountable number of legs. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, that's interesting. Well, I say, and, I say, maybe Gollum might have originally been one because of something that I, I read in. Uh, yeah, I think maybe it was in Anderson uh, or no, it was Ratliff. I think Ratliff. Um, we'll yeah. probably talk about that in a little bit. But uh, anyway, definitely by this point, he's not one of the original owners. Uh, no, no, he's, he's been there just far too recently.
0: Mm-hmm. Only five hundred years or something. Only five hundred like right? years. <laughs> long enough to be old. Yeah, long enough to be very old. Well. Let's go ahead and get that wonderful description of him. All right.
1: Deep down here by the dark water lived old Gollum, a small, slimy creature. I don't know where he came from, nor who or what he was. He was Gollum, as dark as darkness, except for two big, round, pale eyes in his thin face. He had a little boat, and he rowed about quite quietly on the lake. For lake it was, wide and deep and deadly cold. He paddled it with large feet dangling over the side, but never a ripple did he make. Not he. He was looking out of his pale, lamp-like eyes for blind fish, which he grabbed with his long fingers as quick as thinking. He liked meat, too. Goblin he thought good when he could get it, but he took care they never found him out. He just throttled them from behind, if they ever came down alone anywhere near the edge of the water while he was prowling about. Wow. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure stories got around pretty quick. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they, they probably had all kinds of legends about what was down there. The the, the creature in mm-hmm. the water that, uh,
0: yeah. Maybe they called him the Throttler. The Throttler. <laughs> what a description. Yeah. Um, we've got some other stuff from other sources. Uh, Ratliff points out, based on the description of Gollum, at least in the original first edition, that Tolkien didn't really intend him to be a hobbit. I mean, we know, you know, those of us who've read The Lord of the Rings, spoiler, learned right. that Gollum was originally a, a hobbit-type creature. Yep. That doesn't seem to be the case here. Um, we get dark as darkness. Um, long fingers, though, that kind of fits, because, of course, hobbits have long, clever, brown fingers. That's true. But, but large feet, which we know isn't a description. They're not hairy feet. They're, they're mm-hmm. large, webbed feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's different.
1: And they make I'm noise sure. when he walks, which I know uh, somewhere yeah. in, in this book we've, yeah. we've seen Yeah, we seen hear the hobbit's... flap
0: of his feet. Yeah, yeah, right. Which you would never that, hear that. We with, know that hobbits hobbit. are pretty quiet when they walk. Yeah. Um, his eyes. This was kind of creepy. We didn't get to that, but there was a line about his pale eyes like telescopes.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Um, doesn't sound very hobbity. Um No. That's true. I mean, I, I don't want to draw conclusions, but I do seem to recall a few number, you know, a few pieces of evidence like that that Ratliff was saying. Look, uh, in the first edition, he didn't intend him to be a Hobbit. That's something it kind of retconned in. Yeah.
1: The telescopes thing is kind of weird. It, it's mm-hmm. it's a very strange description. That's another anachronistic thing. sort of simile, isn't I, it? I, I think it is, yeah. And, uh, and you know, we, we do find out, you can look at um, Anderson kind of goes into this in The Annotated Hobbit. It, illustrators of um, a lot of the foreign editions of The Hobbit, um, I'm thinking before 1966, uh, frequently made Gollum a really large creature. Um, there was uh, apparently one Swedish edition that was from 1947 where he was depicted as about four times
0: the size oh my of Bilbo. Goodness. So, wow. Um, so like double double man size even. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Well, that's creepy. A 12-foot yeah. tall golem. <laughs> I know, I know,
1: right. And so, you know, there are just certain things about this, that this description. And this is, of course, this is the later description, so this has been changed a little that's bit. That's true, that's um, true. But, but, yeah, originally he just... He doesn't Ratliff doesn't think that he was originally meant to be a hobbit. I guess I'll just kind of no. kind of put it at that.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, the small, slimy creature that was not part of the first edition, right um, the thin face. thin, face yeah, that mm. was another one that wasn't yeah, uh, I'm trying to remember some others I, I tried to highlight those, but yeah, uh, those it, are the big ones that come out
1: yeah, and I think Ratliff did speculate that you know maybe Tolkien's original attention might have been that Gollum was one of those original owners, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, that well, seems to be a better fit. Still there in odd corners, or one of the other right. things that sneaks in from the outside. Sneaked in from the outside. Um, yeah. Whether that's the case or not, and Ratliff, he admits it's unclear, but it certainly seems yeah. like more like a possibility. Ratliff just says sure. that he is clearly not a hobbit in the original.
0: Right, right. And you know what? He's really not a hobbit in the Rankin Bass cartoon, is he? <laughs> Which you know, even though that came out after <laughs> the Lord of the Rings, where they know that he descended from hobbits, they still turned him into some sort of frog monkey. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but know, you know, they, it, it it was only later, really, um, as they started, as he started developing Lord of the Rings, that Ratliff said that Tolkien had the idea to make Gollum a hobbit. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's a quote from Ratliff: He subsequently, very skillfully, inserted the new idea into the earlier book through to the addition of small details in the initial description of the creature. And I think we just pointed out a couple of those: the the fact that he's a small, slimy creature, mm-hmm. and that he has a thin face. Yeah. So. Yeah, very and, interesting.
1: And, yeah, and I know that there was also a letter, um, a 1963 letter to Alan and Unwin that Tolkien said that Gollum should not be made a monster. Um, oh, be, interesting. Because he just he was seeing so many of these illustrations that just made him, yeah. you know, this this big monster. So again, that's with the hindsight of knowing what Gollum exactly. was in the Lord of the Rings. Um, certainly yeah. early on, that's he in could the be, assimilation stage. Exactly. The, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the assimilation stage. Exactly. Um, certainly at this point, he's just something really creepy, and I think you
0: pointed out yeah. uh, more gobliny than the goblins, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, they, you know, they live in the dark, and, and he is the dark. You know, he, he was mm-hmm. Golem, as dark as darkness. Dark as darkness, yeah. Uh, and then I love this about how he, you know, goblins, as we know, they catch people at unawares, right? They love to sneak up on people and capture them. Uh, basically, if they can't put up a fight, that's the kind of thing they like. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the exact quote from, from the last chapter. But Gollum catches goblins unawares. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, he the really he preys them. on the predators. Yeah, yeah. I guess he's and really he's... the apex predator here, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And stealth. Oh, wow, never really thought of that before. No, but... I never thought about it's it. That's absolutely yeah,
1: yeah, true. He is. He's the apex My predator goodness. of this, you know, this area of the Misty Mountains. Yeah.
0: So you know, boy, he does not compare to the Balrog. Well, so. <laughs> no, no. Gollum sees Bilbo and 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 comes closer. Uh, and then I'm going to read off this uh, next little bit here. Gollum got into his boat and shot off from the island while Bilbo was sitting on the brink altogether flummoxed and at the end of his way and his wits. Suddenly, up came Gollum and whispered and hissed. Bless us and splash us, my precious. I guess it's a choice feast. At least a tasty morsel let it make us... <clears throat> And when he said Gollum, he made a horrible swallowing noise in his throat. That is how he got his name, though he always called himself "My Precious." It was short, well, I told you. <laughs>
1: uh, but you got that epic Gollum in there. That was Ooh. that was lovely. Uh, that was that was fun. I'm still wiping stuff off the mic. I'm. <laughs> And I'm and I'm just to make it clear to everybody, I'm referring to the actual Gollum noise that you made, as opposed to yes. your,
0: your Gollum voice in general, which was yeah. also quite epic, my friend. Oh well, thank you, sir. I'm much much obliged. Um, I, I I can't even imagine how terrified Bilbo would be, who totally no. thinks he's alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I and, love the text says that he would jumped nearly out of his skin. Yeah, yeah. you think? Yeah, you think? I think my first reaction would have been to find out how far into this thing I could put my sword. Yeah. Yeah. He's and he kind of does, but he's he's a little bit more peaceful about it than I would be. Yeah. Man. So, well, let me let me have you take that and then we'll we'll start talking about some first edition changes and things. Okay.
1: Sounds good. So, uh picking up just a sentence later with, with uh what's his name? Bilbo, that's his name. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Who are you?" he said thrusting his dagger in front of him. "'What is he, my precious?' whispered Gollum, who always spoke to himself through never having anyone else to speak to. This is what he had come to find out, for he was not really very hungry at the moment, only curious. Otherwise he would have grabbed first and whispered afterwards. Hmm. "'I am Mr. Bilbo Baggins. I have lost the dwarves and I have lost the wizard, and I don't know where I am. And I don't want to know if only I can get away.' "'What's he got in his is?" said Gollum, looking at the sword, which he did not quite like. "'A sword, a blade which came out of Gondolin,' said Gollum,
0: and became quite polite.'" I like your Gollum voice, by the way. Oh, well you. done, may you I say. Um, of course he became polite. <laughs> He's got a sword yeah. pointing at him, for crying out loud. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Before we get into that, though, I realized, and, and I meant to do this when I said Gollum earlier— there's a little bit of an etymology, if you will, of, of Golem's name, isn't there? Oh, yeah. And that's what we get yeah. with the, that's how he got his name. Right.
1: Yeah, that, that horrible swallowing noise. Although, yeah. uh, I think uh, Anderson actually pointed out an, another interesting inspiration in, uh, in mm-hmm. Old Norse. Um, oh, which of is, course. Which is very interesting. Uh, there's an Old Norse word, uh, gul, G-U-L-L, mm-hmm. which means gold. Um, okay. And in some of the really old uh, Old Norse manuscripts, it's spelled gall, G-O-L-L. Huh. Um, and there, one inflected form because Old Norse was an inflected language where words okay. take different endings depending on what they mean in a sentence. Um, right. There was an inflected form that was gollum, G-O-L-L-U-M, spelled just like this. Wow! Really? Which, which could mean gold or treasure or something precious. Oh my goodness! I wow. know. I know, and it could also even mean ring. Um, <laughs> there's actually uh there was a at least uh, one reference to a compound uh, word finger gol, in uh, Old Norse, which is basically finger ring. Um, oh, my. And Anderson That's says simply, these are points that may have occurred to Tolkien. Do you think? I think my. probably
0: they did. <laughs> Goodness, that is really cool. So, but, I, but
1: I also love, you know, even though he's got this Old Norse inspiration, and I think we can say he clearly did that. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But also, you know, he, of course... He's not gonna. He doesn't want it to be an old Norse name within the context of his story. No. He's going to give it another etymology. He's going to say it comes universe. from this. It's going. It's going to come sound from this he makes. disgusting sound he makes, and now you have made in your booth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's but, yeah. that's
0: really neat. Thank you for I taking that, that was, out. I thought that was cool. Well, you know, yeah. if there's word nerd stuff, I'm going to find it. Oh, it absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, I part of me thinks that Bilbo, as he would later do with the dragon, says too much, to uh, to, to Sméagol here, to uh, to Goll. Oh, on. definitely. Uh, yeah, telling him first and last name that he lost the dwarves and the wizard, uh, that the blade came from Gondolin. Yeah, I mean, there's just, just this is, <laughs> And my address is Bag End. <laughs> uh, here's my email address. Row. Last four of my social, here's my driver's license number. Hobbiton West nine, you know, it's just, yeah, I know. I mean, couldn't he have just told him he was from, uh, you know, I don't know, Underhill
1: or something. something? I don't know, whatever. It's definitely Uh, too much information. And I wonder, you know, we're, we're thinking about, you know, he's, he's using the sword, he's getting a little mm -hmm. tookish. He's, he's actually kind of, probably for the first time actually got the courage to to mm. hold the sword in front of him. Yeah, as a, um, as a weapon, right. Yeah, as a weapon. So he's actually, right, as opposed to just a light source. Um, yeah. He's actually using it as a weapon. So he is a bit Tookish, but we've seen this before. Sometimes the Took gets overzealous. Overconfident, and, yeah. Yeah, overconfident yeah. and uh, gets a little cocky. And I think he, he's done that here. Or though, or maybe he's just really nervous and he's just babbling.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, and I had one other catch before we move on. In in mm-hmm. the section that I was reading, there is this... Uh, was it my? No, it was in your section. <laughs> I'm so clueless tonight. <laughs> I really can't read tonight. It's, uh, late. That it's late. He Both. always spoke to himself through never through having never anyone having else, anyone to, speak else to, speak to speak to. Right, right. I don't, we'll see that. I'm not sure that, that the split personality that we really got a, a heavy emphasis of uh, in the films is mm-hmm. really what we've got in the book. At least not here.
1: C- certainly certainly not here, I agree. I mean yeah. there's a there's a little moment of arguing with himself yeah, uh, but it's at more, the end of this chapter. But it's more just like arguing with himself. It's not exactly, like Exactly. It's, it's optimistic, like too pessimistic. Sorry. I yeah, mean I agree. Sam does the yeah. same thing.
0: After he yeah, thinks Frodo true. is dead. That's and nobody true. thinks Sam is suddenly, you know, has multiple personality disorder. Yeah, that's a good point. Um,
1: but we'll have to yeah. see how it is in Lord of the Rings. But you're right. Here in The Hobbit, it's, it really doesn't seem yeah. like that. It's just that arguing with
0: himself and it's 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 like optimistic Gollum and pessimistic mm. Gollum. <laughs> and, it, it,
1: and it almost strikes me, it's just like an odd speech pattern because he's been so, yeah. he's been alone for so long. Oh, can you imagine? That I a mean, language for... has just changed, you know?
0: Yeah. The inflections—it's—it's so. it's almost a wonder that he can communicate with Bilbo at all. That's a good point. I mean, really, yeah. five hundred years. Yeah. He'd have to with be talking only himself to himself. To talk to. Yeah. Yeah. If he didn't talk to himself, he would no longer—he wouldn't have speech anymore. I would imagine. Right. Yeah. So, That's true. Yeah. Amazing. He wouldn't be able to communicate at all. No. So. But. Uh, I think it's time for us to start. Well, you know what? Before we get into the riddle game, maybe we should do a quick sidebar in riddles, huh? Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, I, I think do we, I think we probably what, what, should. Um, yeah, you have well, some some more nerdery on it, don't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, because there's, you know, and I, I owe a lot of this to Anderson and Ratliff. I'm bringing it in here sure. just to, to share with folks who um who haven't don't have those sources. But uh, riddle contests, it seems like were a a really common trope in hmm. uh, medieval Germanic literature. Um, probably shouldn't surprise us. Um, Ratliff actually has uh, an essay <laughs> no, on something. riddles in uh, in this chapter of the History of the Hobbit. And he mentions uh, other wisdom exchanges and question challenges in medieval literature. That's a ratless yeah. quote, with yeah. a really long list that covers most of a pretty big paragraph. I mean, yeah, and, it, and yeah. it's it's really everywhere in the kinds of sources that that we usually think of when we think of Tolkien. I mean, um, mm-hmm. the Elder Edda and the Prose Edda. You know, the two right. uh, the two uh, old, old I, I guess Icelandic old Norse yeah. sources. N- Norse. Um, the uh, the old English sources. Um, there's even non-Germanic sources like, uh, like of course, the Finnish uh, Kalevala. Mm-hmm. Um, there's in the Bible, uh, in yeah, ancient Greek yeah. mythology, there's the Riddle of the Sphinx. Uh, really just everywhere throughout mythology. And so Tolkien is really playing on a very old
0: trope here with this idea. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he is. And, you know, even though he called the riddles all my own work, he acknowledged that their style and, and kind of method, if you will, was, was that of, Old literary riddles, mm-hmm, uh, n- mm-hmm. not folklore, but you know, just old literary riddles. Right. Now that appears to be generally true, uh, but there are some some clear analogs or clear sources for for a number of these riddles in mm-hmm. those medieval Germanic works. Yeah, uh, old Norse, Icelandic, Old English, uh, even later English nursery rhymes. We won't stop to explain each one, or we'd be here all night. And frankly, we'd. And just be reading Douglas Anderson's (laughs) notes, which isn't fair to to Douglas Anderson. No. But but he's done a great breakdown Go buy his book. Yeah. Exactly. Go buy The Annotated Hobbit, which we highly recommend. Mm -hmm. We have a link for it uh, to Amazon in our library. So go check it out. He has a breakdown for every single riddle that's absolutely well worth reading. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, it does seem that some of the riddles came directly from some of these big mythological riddle contests.
1: Yeah, yeah, and Anderson has done a great breakdown of, you know, oh, this is from this source, or, you know, this is similar to a a riddle in this other source. Yeah, Um, okay. An interesting note uh, that I picked up on from um, Michael Drought's J.R.R. Tolkien Encyclopedia, Mm -hmm. um, which, again, is a work that he edited, so the different entries are written by different uh, scholars. But uh, there is an entry on riddles that's written by a, a scholar named Jason Fisher, and he says that, True to Gollum's shadowy origins... His riddles tend to be modeled on sources in ancient myth and legend, while Bilbo's tend to be comparatively more modern, uh, which is to say more quaint and Victorian. And I just want to bring that up because as we go through the riddle game, you really will see that there's just there's just kind of this creepy antiquity to uh, to Gollum's riddles, and Bilbo's do definitely seem to be a bit more um, you know, a bit more down to earth, you know, Yeah. a bit more quaint. Quaint is a good word for it.
0: That is a good word. Well, I'm so. going to go ahead and read, then, the start of the riddle game, uh, though I think we actually get you to read the first riddle, but yeah. we'll get the introduction, so. Okay. Perhaps he sits here and chats with it a bit, see, my precious. It likes riddles, perhaps it does, does it? He was anxious to appear friendly, at any rate for the moment, and until he found out more about the sword and the hobbit, whether he was quite alone, really, whether he was good to eat, and whether Gollum was really hungry. Riddles were all he could think of. Asking them, and sometimes guessing them, had been the only game he had ever played with other funny creatures sitting in their holes in the long, long ago, before he lost all his friends and was driven away alone and crept down, down into the dark under the mountains. Very well, said Bilbo, who was anxious to agree, until he found out more about the creature whether he was quite alone, whether he was fierce or hungry, and whether he was a friend of the goblins. So they're both sort of feeling each other out here, really, trying yeah. to get a, uh, you know, a situation yeah. report. Yeah, and they're both
1: just sort of uh, tentatively agreeing to this just to see, just to get a chance to read each other. Mm-hmm. And I Absolutely. love that um, Bilbo's, the, the paragraph about Bilbo, it, it completely echoes the paragraph about Gollum. Um, whether he was, uh, where is it, whether he was quite alone, whether he was fierce or hungry, and whether he was a friend of the goblins, is almost exactly like just above. yeah. Um, You know, whether Whether, he was quite alone, really, whether he was good to eat and whether Gollum was really hungry. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of neat. What do you make of the uh, other funny funny creatures sitting in their holes long ago?
0: Before he lost all his friends. So this was, you
1: know, before he went into the mountains. Yeah. I mean, it sounds to me like, um, well, I mean. Creatures living in holes sounds like right. hobbits. Right, I'm thinking um, right. Right. Um, but this this language is actually in the first edition. So there's definitely, I think, Tolkien is drawing a comparison between Gollum and Bilbo, even if he hasn't quite figured out that Gollum is a hobbit yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to me like he's trying to draw a comparison to what Gollum once was. He was once more like
0: Bilbo than than Bilbo probably realizes. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting. It is interesting. Um, let's see. So I think now we get to actually hear the start of the riddle game. So Gollum hissed.
1: What has roots as nobody sees is taller than trees. Up, up it goes, and yet never grows. Easy, said Bilbo. Mountain, I suppose. Does it guess Easy. It must have a competition with us, my precious. If precious asks and it doesn't answer, we eats it, my precious. If it asks us and we doesn't answer, then we does what it wants, eh? We shows it the way out, yes. All right, said Bilbo, not daring to disagree, and nearly bursting his brain to think of riddles
0: that could save him from being eaten. Okay, I'm just gonna say this right here. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have said, "All right, <laughs> wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Did you just say, "Did, that did if you just say answer, if I lose, you eat me?" Eat me? Hang on, no.
1: Let's, that's not part
0: of the no. That's let's not renegotiate option. the stakes yeah, here. Let's let's look at the terms. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to pass on that. <laughs> Big that was to our bodies. No, that's not that, on the line. That was actually one
1: one cool thing about Martin Freeman's performance yeah.
0: was this moment. Yeah, when it kind of questioned that, like, what? Yeah, it's just like, okay. No, okay. Or a, a fair enough, or however, or whatever he answered with. But yeah, it was, fair enough. Yeah. yeah, it was. You're right. That was a moment where <laughs> Freeman's acting ability did come yeah. through quite nicely. That whole scene was actually pretty nice. That It that was. was. Well, it of, was one of, yeah. of our good ones, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was one of the two good ones. <laughs> I think there are three good ones. I don't know. <laughs> that we came up with. Out Pretty of that, sad. Out we of that really worked hard. Yeah. Boy, we worked hard on that. Episode 51, folks, if you haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, episode to it 50, yet. if you want to get uh, us being a little more optimistic and a little less get off my lawn. <laughs> uh, episode 51, if you want to find out how cranky we can get. That was um, definitely a Waldorf and Statler moment for us. Boy, wasn't it? That whole episode was <laughs> Waldorf and Statler, like the whole way through. Um, My goodness. Yeah. It, and it's interesting. I, I noticed that. He started off easy with this this mountain riddle, uh, mm. which, I mean, he's in a mountain, so he's just been passing <laughs> over the mountain. Fair, fair point. So, yeah. so Golem's probably like, you're going to get this one. It makes me wonder, is this sort of like when a card shark lets you win the first hand?
1: You know, oh. is, it, is this a setup? He's, he's is, this a is he hustling him?
0: Yeah. It's a hustle, sweetie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's your Zootopia That's reference.
1: Zootopia. Wow. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm oh down. man.
1: Yeah, me too. I, I was like... I, there's, it's like a bunny saying that, right? There's I know, bunny I know that, that, that line. That Zootopia. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> man, uh, I think you're right. I think he yeah. is,
0: I think he is hustling him. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, now that you've answered it, let me give you the terms. <laughs> mm-hmm. I will eat you if you don't mm-hmm. know. Um Worth noting
1: that yeah. um in the first edition... Um, the terms were that Gollum would eat him if Gollum won. Yes, but um, that he would actually give Bilbo the ring as a present, the ring. right? Yes, that is so important. Mm-hmm. That's one of those big changes. Mm-hmm. And by all appearances, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll get to this probably in next episode uh, of One Next after. episode, yeah. Um, by all appearances, it looks like he was actually going to give it to him. Totally. Uh, so yeah. you know, he was an honorable you know, was, creature in that. Yeah, first there was one. no subterfuge. You know, there it was. Uh, it's very interesting the way that he changes.
0: Oh, his name. Um, yeah, he is but, definitely uh, made much more wicked. I mean, he's even yes. openly described as wicked. Yeah, uh, here yeah, in, that's the, true. in the in the that's true. assimilated version.
1: Yeah, well, and that was uh-huh. and that was necessary because mm-hmm. you know after Tolkien had oh, yeah. decided what the ring was, it had yeah, to have the influence this corrupting of that ring. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. you you couldn't get away with having him be a nice guy after having mm-hmm. possessed the ring for 500 years. Right. Right. So. Uh, well, we actually—we won't—again, we're trying not to read every single word. Uh, so we'll skip the first one, the, the, the wonderful uh, Teeth mm-hmm. uh, poem, which I love and is another that, that one is That is a really, cool one,
1: but, but we had to cut something. And we had to cut something. There's, that, there's that's probably that the only like poem. More.
0: I think that's the only poem we cut, actually. Might be, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I do love the, the golem's reaction yeah. I only
1: have six. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really cute. I love that. Um, uh, I, I What I think is interesting about that is that it says that, you know, Bilbo could only—the only thing he could think of was the teeth riddle because the idea of eating was rather on his mind. Yeah, in uh, this case, not being eaten. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's interesting that he's responding to Gollum at this point. You know, Gollum has the initiative yep. in yep. this contest. He's reacting. Bilbo's, mm-hmm. Bilbo's reacting, and so that's going to play into— um, I think it's going to play into sort of Gollum's kind of upper hand in the contest, at least oh, at yeah. the beginning. Oh, yeah, and
0: it definitely shapes mm-hmm. the way he the way he comes up with these riddles. Mm-hmm. You know, what what subject, what, what thing prompts it? He's constantly playing, um, you know, this kind of reactionary game yeah. instead of trying to take the offense. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and go into the next—oh, man, I have a slightly longer reading here— I apologize for that, uh, <laughs> but it's actually the last reading of the of the um, of this portion of the chapter. So I'm going to go ahead and finish through. Um, well, you'll all know in just a moment. Mm-hmm. Then he asked his second, voiceless it cries, wingless flutters, toothless bites, mouthless mutters. Have a moment, cried Bilbo, who was still thinking uncomfortably about eating. Unfortunately, he had once heard something rather like this before, and getting his wits back, he thought of the answer. Wind, wind, of course, he said, and he was so pleased that he made up one on the spot. Well, this'll puzzle the nasty little underground creature, he thought. An eye in a blue face saw an eye in a green face. That eye is like to this eye, said the first eye, but in low place, not in high place. Said Gollum. He had been underground a long, long time and was forgetting this sort of thing. But just as Bilbo was beginning to hope that the wretch would not be able to answer, Gollum brought up memories of ages and ages and ages before when he lived with his grandmother in a hole in a bank by a river. "Sss <sighs> my precious, he said. Sun on the daisies it means it does. And there you go. Good guess. There you go. Very good guess. And I <laughs> love know, that particular
1: poem. That's a cool one. Yeah. It really is. There's there's I, so I much to up, it. There is. And before we talk about it, I want to pick up, I, I want to point out one thing I just noticed on the wind riddle. I was just talking about how Bilbo is reacting to Gollum and the threat of being eaten with his teeth riddle. But mm-hmm. then Gollum is actually reacting to Bilbo's teeth riddle by talking about the toothless wind in this riddle. Ooh, yeah. So I... Th- you know, I hadn't while, caught
0: that either, but that's a good point. I just now
1: caught it. I, I was thinking all along that Gollum's got the initiative in this whole thing, but I realized that this riddle is a response to the previous one. Yes, so maybe there is. is a little back and forth, a little bit more back and forth than I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. So I just thought that was kind of neat. But yeah, the the Daisy riddle, I just, I love this that This is one. a classic. It's great that he just made it up on the spot, um, and that reminds <laughs> me of uh, the, the back... Way back in Chapter 1... Uh, remember that Mr. Baggins is not so prosy as he liked to believe. Also, yeah. that he was
0: fond of flowers. <laughs> and here so we here go. Had a flower, a mm-hmm. flower one. I also think yeah. we get a little bit of a, of a of a moment where we get to pity Gollum. Uh, hmm. You yep. know, this idea that the ages and ages before when he lived with his grandmother in a hole in a bank by a river that was outside, where he where he understood what the sun on the daisies was.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, it, I think we had a, a moment like that earlier where. We started to feel a little sad for him. It was when he talked about playing the, the riddle game with other funny creatures sitting in their yeah. holes before he lost and all he had, his friends and was driven down alone. And here the, another the, reference to his previous life when he lived in a hole. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Another another uh
1: hobbit reference. I think another hint to Gollum's nature and and again, this was also in the first edition, so yes. um, maybe not necessarily a hobbit at this point, but no. um Definitely, I think, drawing some sort of comparison between Bilbo and Gollum, trying to show us a little similarity there.
0: Well, and just the fact that he plays the riddle game. Mm-hmm. There's, there's some true. commonality there. There's some similarity
1: there. there. Yeah. yeah. And they know you, a lot of the same riddles, which uh, clearly I think Gandalf observes in Lord uh, in yes. of the Rings.
0: Yes. he does. I, I um, recall that. That's an excellent point.
1: Yeah. I, I would like to talk a little bit about um, <laughs> about Daisy, about the word yes, Daisy. Yes, that's the what I. I was hoping
0: you would do. The yeah. I, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, there's a, an interesting thing about the etymology of the word daisy. It actually comes from uh, Old English, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but uh, deus ea, uh okay. which is day's eye. Ah, um, yeah. Apparently, it's and, and really, honestly, day's eye. <laughs> this looks a lot like daisy anyway. Um, it, it but does? Uh, yeah. Apparently, because the petals, I don't know much about flowers, but I guess the petals open at dawn, and then they close at dusk. Um, okay. I also have to wonder if it's, you know, something to do with the, the yellow center looking like the sun, mm-hmm. um, you know, which, you know, the sun being sort of the eye of the day in a poetic kind of way. Right. I just, I love this. This is one of the first uh, Old English etymologies I learned in college was the word daisy. I think I just yeah. had a, I had a professor who was kind of into into some of these etymologies. Um, I just think it's kind of neat. Um, these two word compounds, you get these two word compounds um, commonly in Old English, you know. Like daisy. eye. Um, Day's eye, and you know, like you'll see the sea called a whale road, or um, hmm. the sun called the sky candle, things like that. These these two word metaphors, um, they're called kennings. Um, oh, yeah, they're yeah. really common, and I think Tolkien uses them in in a few different places. And, he does. Uh, but here, I mean, obviously, he's not using the the old English etymology directly, but I think you know, referring to the daisy as an eye in the green face, you know, considering mm-hmm. the flower as an eye, I think is clearly a a a nod to that oh, yeah, etymology that's... that word. Most definitely. Um, uh, I think Douglas Anderson also pointed out that there's a similar juxtaposition in uh, The Lay of the Children of Hurin that's, between— Yep. Do, do, you ha- do you have any information I, on that one? Is I don't something...
0: have it, but that, I was thinking about that earlier. There was something yeah. about the the eye of the day. Yeah. It's like the uh, and Until the, the eye of the day had opened. Then, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I, I wish so I could a... remember the exact passage. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't have it in front of me, and I don't—
0: I, Maybe uh, that's something for our I prologue. We'll, yeah, yeah, or, we'll have to. We'll have to yeah, use postscript. that. Or, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. Postscript, <laughs> prologue, postscript, epilogue. We'll save it for, whatever. We'll save it for the prologue of Lord of the Rings. That's what we'll prologue. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's something. Oh, there's
1: something like that about the sun rising to high noon and you know the eye of day opening. Um, yes, and that's clearly to referencing a daisy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but I do. I do love that. That riddle. That's one of my favorites. It is. It's one of my favorites too. I. Uh, of course, your absolute favorite you get in the next episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, folks, be sure to join us again next week when we continue the chapter, finishing up the riddle game and seeing what comes next. That's right. That one will be coming out on December 10th.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, and we will finally find out. Well, I guess I'm about to spoil it. We'll finally <laughs> find out whether Four Legs got some. <laughs> uh then we'll uh, we'll see uh, if Bilbo manages to escape from this darkness on December 17th. So we will continue to release weekly before taking a
0: two-week break for the holidays. That's right. And we want to stress that we will be back on that weekly schedule starting in January after the holidays. And a big thanks to our Patreon family who has made that weekly schedule possible. Mm, yep. We'd like to take a minute to ask you to please just consider joining that family at patreon.com slash prancingponypod if we've earned your support. Sean and I each think... Several hours into each and every episode, <laughs> and look, we really are happy to do it, but we're oh, yeah. also grateful for the resources you provide. It they help make the show better. We're able to put more money into recording solutions and editing solutions mm-hmm. and things like yeah. that. So it's it's also thanks to our Patreon family that we've been able to move to weekly episodes. But we're a little over halfway to our next goal of recording an an episode live at MythMood or some other fan gathering. Now. We'd love to get your help to get towards that goal. So, of course, we have some really cool rewards, too, like exclusive content. Indeed. Exclusive content like our postscripts to each
1: episode. Not uh, prologues. Or epilogues or prologues <laughs> or preludes or whatever we're calling them now. Oh, goodness. Um, we record these episodes a couple of weeks in advance. I think I already yeah. said that earlier. Um, and then we listen to them before they release to see if there's anything we missed, uh, mm-hmm. any jokes that fell through the cracks, mistakes <laughs> we want to correct, topics we want to research more. Um references to old Norse riddles that we wish that we had spent 45 minutes on. Exactly. Well, maybe not that much, because <laughs> five <laughs> what minutes. we do is we put all that into a, a short postscript, usually about 10 minutes, uh, that's available to our yeah. page- Patreon Ish. supporters.
0: 10-ish. 10-ish, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that exclusive postscript generally releases the same day as the episode that it follows. So if you want access to those bonuses, be sure to join the Fellowship of the Podcast. We also want to take a moment to thank those of you who join. You really are helping to make this show better. And mm-hmm. let's not forget a very special shout out to Jason in British Columbia, our patron at the Cair dance Contribution Tier. Folks, if you want a personalized shout out on our episodes, you know where to go. And while your support is really appreciated, we do not want you to feel obligated.
1: Um, if you can afford it and if you think we've earned it, only then do we want you to consider yeah, signing up. Absolutely. Otherwise, keep on downloading and enjoying the podcast. We will keep making it. Absolutely. So, Sean, what does Barlamin have for us today? Well, I want to start with one question that came in from a listener, Jonathan L., a few months ago. Um, It has a little bit of relevance to the section we read today, even though it's not about this section. Mm -hmm. Um, The question's actually about the two towers. Um, But I I think it it can shed a little bit of light on who some of these original owners are who have been living in the caves um, below the Misty Mountains since before the goblins. So, uh, Jonathan's question reads, When Gandalf is reunited with Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas, he recounts his tale uh, of the battle with Balrog, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, In it, he says that some of the creatures from the depths of Moria aren't even known to Sauron, as they are older than he. But we know Sauron was created, with the rest of the Maiar, at the beginning, and had a hand in singing Arda into existence. Uh, have you encountered anything in your reading of other material that explains this? Well,
0: that is a good catch. Um, Jonathan's referring to a passage, I just pulled it up, in in Two Towers Book 3, Chapter 5, when Gandalf says, Far, far below the deepest delvings of the dwarves, the world is gnawed by nameless things. Mm. Even Sauron knows them not. They are older than he. Now I have walked there, but I will bring no report to darken the light of day. That's the
1: one, yep. Yes, yes. So uh, it is a good question. I, I mm-hmm. looked it up in Hammond and Skull's uh, Lord of the Rings Companion, and they actually said basically the same thing. The new version thing. or the uh, – oh, no, this is the Reader's uh, Companion. This is yeah. the, the Lord – yeah, the Lord of the Rings one. Yeah, um, yeah no, my, my big three-volume Tolkien oh. Companion is, uh, is, yeah. is on
0: its way to me now. So Oh, it's, yours is just I, still on your way. Mine, mine showed up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I ordered mine late, so. So did I, actually. I was really surprised <laughs> I got it so quickly. I was stunned. Of course, it, it, it came in a box that looked like it had been shipped from the moon. But oh, that's really? a whole other story. Yeah, it was terrible. Oh man, I, I've seen oh. pictures of other people's boxes and they're just as bad. Oh so. wow. Oh man. Well, anyway, I
1: I should have mine soon. But the books were uh, fine. So um, oh, that's, that's that's what that's yeah. what matters, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, they basically say the same thing that Jonathan says. They say, but Sauron is a Maya. Nothing should exist in Middle Earth that is older than he. Uh, they go on to say the phrase is probably rhetorical. In other words, you know, Gandalf doesn't mean it literally. Mm-hmm. Um, He's just he's just using it to sort of kind of make a point. They're really uh, old. They're really really old, and I mean Hammond and Skull are some of the top Tolkien scholars out there, so it's uh, yeah. probably as good an answer as we're going to get. <laughs> and it and it does make sense based on what we know about Sauron. Um, but but I do think it still begs the question: Well, if it's not meant literally, well then what does he mean? What you know? What right. point is he trying to prove? Yeah. And I think where I've come down on this is I think we can probably speculate that these nameless things are other probably Maiar uh, or oh. some other kind of spirit that we don't have a classification for, but who oh, yeah, have been yeah. evil longer than Sauron. Um, remember that Sauron was originally one of the Maiar of Aulé. So he must have entered into Arda in the beginning on the side of the Valar and probably did some some work for the side of good. He probably worked for Aulé in the creation of Arda and was Ooh. seduced by Melkor later on. Um, I think impossible. these nameless... I think these nameless things are probably Maiar who had been with Melkor longer. I'm thinking, you know, maybe of some of those that attuned themselves to Melkor during the music, um, and uh, and kind of fell with him. Mm-hmm. And so when when Melkor entered Arda, I, I imagine these nameless things going straight to the depths to to gnaw at Iluvatar's creation, as Gandalf puts it. <laughs> um, and and with respect to Sauron, these are a little bit like you know like Melkor's old college buddies. You know he doesn't see them anymore. They're all living in other towns. They're all kind of doing their own thing. So they they're haven't met his new. They're all gnawing the
0: world somewhere. Yeah, else, I'm man. just
1: I'm just I'm just kind of gnawing the world, man, down below the Misty Mountains. You know, uh, part of five so... of
0: gnaw. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, he's friend. He, they're friends with Melkor on Facebook and stuff, but they don't <laughs> see each other all the time. <laughs> they haven't met Sauron, who's his new friend yeah, from work. Yeah. Oh, there um, you go. So it's. Just, I think that's all it is. That's why Sauron doesn't know them. They're not literally older than Sauron no, or no. Gandalf, for that matter. They've just been Good hiding point. at the depths of the world for so long that Sauron just doesn't know about them. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of what Gandalf is saying.
0: I don't know. What do you think about it? Well, you know, I, I obviously have to agree with uh, Hammond and Skull that it's a rhetorical device. I mean, that's that that's self-evident. Um, I You know, part of me thinks that maybe this reference is in regards to location, that that is mm. these these nameless things below the deepest delvings. They've been there since before Sauron even knew of Moria. That is, their presence here is older than Sauron's presence. That's mm. maybe that's where where I'm I'm kind of coming down. Um, so their presence there below the mountains is older exactly, than, Sauron's than Sauron's presence. Than Sauron's in Arda. presence there below the mountains. Or oh, there. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Sauron's oh, awareness of like his knowledge his, of what's going not on. Not
1: his here. existence or his presence in the in the world, but his presence. I feel They're, his presence here. His in this awareness
0: place. His, uh, gotcha. his knowledge of what's going on. And oh, that's mousins. a good thought too. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe hard to say. I mean, it, it because it's a rhetorical device. It's it's impossible to be you know any more specific than that. But um, yeah, that's where I land. Yeah, no, that's that's a good thought. I think uh,
1: both uh, a couple of options, but definitely you know, in answer to Jonathan's question, it, I just it's definitely not meant literally. It's just no. uh,
0: yeah.
1: they've been down there for so long that you know Sauron doesn't really have any knowledge of them. Exactly. So thank you for that question, Jonathan. Yeah, good question. And uh, after that one, I, I want to give us a, a little softball to finish up the episode. <laughs> okay. So uh, both uh, Sean H. in Derby in the UK uh-huh. and Dustin B. I'm really sorry, Dustin. I did not write down where you where you wrote to us from, or maybe you just didn't tell me, but <laughs> I don't have it here. <laughs> in which um, case, Dustin, sorry. <laughs> yeah. But uh, both of them wrote, ov- wrote in over the last few months to ask uh, basically variations on the same question. Sure. Um, if you had a time machine and could go back and ask Professor Tolkien any one or two questions about the oh, legendarium, wow. what would it be or what would they be and
0: why? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> what do you think? I I, I, I would rather I, have those two questions or two comments be able to be stuff outside of the legendarium, frankly. I mm. I just have such a an admiration for Tolkien, you know, uh, as as a human being, not mm. just as a as a myth creator, but if I'm if I've got to ask the questions about the legendarium, um, the let's see, I, I, is Fano really a bad guy? Oh wait, no, I know the answer to that one. Uh, <laughs> that one's pretty much there on the page. Whack! Um, Whack. I, I think the, the obvious questions come to mind: uh, What happened to the Entwives, or who's Tom Bombadil? But the reality mm. is, he didn't know the answers to those things. I mean, he yeah. left certain things mysterious. So I don't know that we could ask those questions. And to answer answer mysteries, right? I mean, in other words, would the questions we ask be capable of being answered? If so, then we already have the answer someplace in a letter or through the use of logic and compiling all
1: the things he said. Um, And we've seen, we've seen how, you know, he answered the question of who is Tom Bombadil in a letter. You know, he says, uh, is uh, like what spirit he of like the nature, uh,
0: kind of the nature, yeah. and, and countryside, says, like, something like that. Spirit of the English something countryside, something like that. And then he said,
1: you know, uh, he's not, he's not improved by speculation, you know, something right. like that. Um, right, Just don't spend a lot of time thinking about it because it doesn't make it any better. Um, uh, I might,
0: I, I might ask him. You know, I, I would, I would acknowledge that clearly the work's not allegorical. You, you've made that explicit. Um, but what are what what's your application? When when mm-hmm. you read your own works, how do you see How those do you apply
1: it? What's your applicability to today's
0: yeah. reality? You know, what mm, do, what that's do a you, good one. Yeah, that would be one question. That's a good one. Um
1: I think for me, if I if I had one of those just mystery questions that I yeah. would just love to ask, it would be what happened to Tuor and Idril? Oh yeah. Um, did yeah. did did two or end up immortal, uh, or serial longevity? Mm-hmm. Um and did and, and also did Aorendal find him? You know, after after arendal became yeah. uh became the evening that's star that's right he and, went you know, searching
0: for his parents yeah
1: yeah but then after um, cuz it, it does say that he didn't find them on his journeys but then i'm thinking maybe after he was mm-hmm. actually placed as a star in the sky you know yeah. when he, when he sets at the end of the day has he has he seen tour there in the west i that's I, I awesome tour yeah. in Israel, i should say um i think honestly that the the other question i have that's maybe not one of those kinds of questions I, I feel I've gone back to the book of lost tales a few times recently. And so I've been thinking sure. about that one more. Um, I really would love to know if Tolkien still thinks of Elfwina or Ariel still mm. being part of the mythology. Yeah. Um, does he see any way to, to link that character um, to the later legendarium? Because uh, you don't think so, but there are, there are some places where, you know, where I start to wonder and I would yeah. just love to know, you know. If he had the time, if he had all the time in the world, would he would he have found a way to link that character back with the the later mythology? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think there's one more that just crossed my mind. Because he didn't intentionally leave this as a mystery, he just never got around to it. I would want to know a little bit more about the end of Arda, about the Dagor Dagorath, and mm, yeah. how you know how Arda remade uh, would look and what that's what that's going to. Consist of, you know, what what's the process going to be like for Arda remade? What happens to the elves? Um, that sort of thing. Kind of yeah. clarify the end of the world, yeah. world if you will.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. That, I think that would be a good one to ask. Because I always I just want to sit if, down
0: and just talk with him. I know, you know? just hang out with him <laughs> and
1: just <laughs> <laughs> chat and have a have a nice pint of bitter, or you know, yeah, just hang out and talk. The Doctor you know, is an interesting one because I wonder, if, you know, since he he did talk about this being a pre-Christian world, but our world, right. I wonder if his if his idea was he abandoned the Dagor Dagorath because because he of thinks its, that the end yeah. of the world is the Christian end is of the world. The,
0: right. Yeah. I wonder. That would be interesting. But, um, yeah. I, I would really, but, I would hope that if I get to ask him these questions... Uh, that I can record the answers and put them on the podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying that would be awesome. But anyway, maybe he maybe he would
1: record them for us. Uh, maybe speak uh, speak the Lord's prayer in Gothic to exercise there. You go the to recorder. our to our our digital microphones. Yeah. Well, uh, so that was fun. Actually, Dustin did have uh, a little follow up to his his version of that question. He also <laughs> said uh, he said, and if the professor himself were an elf and had serial longevity. Where do you think his legendarium would have gone? And so that kind of raises questions of, wow. you know, well, if, if he had all the time in the world to finish yeah, that, yeah. that legendarium, you know, would he have gotten to things like uh, bringing Ariel back in? Would he have sure. done something with the Dagor Dagoroth or, or not? Um I think wow. the the first answer I think of with this is well, if Tolkien had serial longevity and we're still working on the Legendarium, I would like to think that he would just now be finishing up the publication of his twenty five book Silmarillion series <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: with the with the trilogy of yeah. Two Wars coming to Gondolin, the Fall of Gondolin, oh, and the Voyage each one, of Maerendil. Full novel length, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, oh, and maybe he would also be announcing on Twitter that he's just been hired by Amazon to be the showrunner for well, their upcoming yeah. series. That would that would be all right. I would I would give a thumbs up to that. <laughs> but uh, but that that was a fun one. I think um, I mean, really I guess if I were to answer Dustin's question more seriously, yeah, more seriously, I, <laughs> I, I, I find myself wondering if Tolkien were immortal or serially yeah. Serial. serially longeval, uh, yeah. as the elves are. Um, what would the legendarium be like? I mean, we know that. One of the main themes of the legendarium – well, what? The three main themes the three are main fall, themes. mortality, yeah. and the machine.
0: Yep. In his own so, words.
1: Yeah. So how would the legendarium be different, um, fundamentally different, if Tolkien were approaching that question of mortality uh, as, an, as immortal, an immortal as opposed to as a man? I, I have no idea how to answer mm. that question, but it's it's fascinating to think about. Oh, it sure is.
0: I don't know. What do you, you think? Yeah. Well, you know, it is an interesting thought. It's a, a very fascinating question. Immortality is a, a real game changer. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's not just the immortality that would have changed his themes. Uh, I mean, it would have. But it would have been his nature as an elf. Um, being a man, the story eventually leads to the rise of men, ennobled by mm-hmm. elves, granted, but they're still men. Sure. Uh, right. They become the dominant force in Arda. They're the ones who can shape the future beyond the music of the Ainur.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Would an I, elf have yeah. seen this as a good thing? I mean, maybe huh. the the tone of the legendarium would have become one of almost animosity towards men as elves faded, uh, or at honestly. least sadness
1: and mourning. You know, certainly, was, yeah, a lot sadder. Elves, it would have been,
0: yeah. yeah, the tone would have been certainly more sorrowful. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it's probably best that he was a mere mortal, uh, though. I've <laughs> Well, I yeah, would I mean, have probably. To have seen more work but <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> i mean it probably just wouldn't be as relatable to us if no you know, i mean that's, that's the what, thing it's an ultimately it relatable story yeah 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 it is and it just I speaks agree. to us in in such a profound way
0: but uh it that's really a, it's a really cool question it's a really neat thing to think because about because it hints at the edges of fairy you know and, and this idea mm, of yeah. these elf creatures and you yeah know, I, uh, I don't know it's it's one of those questions of course that cannot be answered but it's certainly an intriguing question so Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that one, Dustin. Well, folks, that wraps it up for another episode of the Prancing Pony podcast. As always, we thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you again next week for more riddles. (laughs) Mm, Not to mention some of the ancient bylaws governing riddle games
1: and the the sacred bond that exists between participants in one.
0: You didn't read about those in the rule sheet there on the back of the box. (laughs) No. (laughs) Folks, we want to encourage you all to read along and take notes in your copy of The Hobbit. So please check out the official library tab on our website, theprancingponypodcast.com. We've got links for everything from cheap paperbacks to some pretty good stuff for your token collection. And if you wouldn't mind heading over to iTunes for us and leaving
1: us a little review, we'd really be grateful for mm-hmm. that. I, I know I say this every time, but, yep. but we really do mean it. Those reviews are crucial. They really yeah. help us get just a lot more visibility in iTunes, and, mm-hmm. and that translates to more people finding us and our this little community of Tolkien lovers that that we've put together with your help it just yeah it, it gets bigger it gets more engaged and absolutely and that's all just so important it makes it better for all of us
0: it really does and especially with the with the show coming our way in another year mm-hmm. or so a year and a half uh there's gonna be a lot more people looking for for podcasts we'd love for them to find us and find you our yeah. listeners uh and our community that uh, exists in social media so yeah thanks absolutely. to those of you who have written those reviews um we do read every single one of them, especially now that we can actually mm-hmm. see the ones from uh, from other stores Overseas. besides the U.S. Yeah. store. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate all the nice things you say about us. I mean, it's yeah really humbling. Um, we're deeply grateful for it. But mm-hmm. Also, we, we would want you to not miss any episodes of the Prancing Pony podcast, so we want you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. You can find us in just about every podcast directory. But if you are on iOS 11, check out that podcast app because it supports our new season and episode tags.
1: Yeah, those are pretty cool. Yeah. And we want to thank all of you who have become part of our social media family. We did set out to start a conversation about Tolkien that everybody could join. That's why we have the online common room on Facebook at The Prancing Pony Podcast and on Twitter at
0: Prancing Pony Pod. And one last thing as always, don't forget to send your questions, comments, or recipes for cooked goblins using ingredients that you can find in a cave. <laughs> to Barlamin at the That was Oh, ma- Oh, a, a delicious mouthful. I see I'm what sure. you did there, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, that is our new email address, folks, so be sure to take note, barlamin at com. I just realized all those folks listening to the season one when they're going back, they're still writing to theprancingponypodcast at gmail.com but that's okay. I think we have that set up to forward but it's yes, barlamin at theprancingponypodcast.com and we'll try to get those comments into the upcoming episode. Well, hour and a half still far too short a time to spend amongst such excellent and admirable listeners but until next time farewell friends